Welcome to the Daniel Teaches Experience, episode number 23. My friends, we've got a bunch of fun stuff lined up for today, uh, including a fun quote that I really, really like. And personally, I want to start off with this note. Why the heck do people like making comments when they're on the sidelines? It's like, listen, man, if you're not in the game, if you're not on the field, yeah, it's easy to comment. But how about you get on the field, you get on the pitch, you get on the grass, you give it a try, and then you comment, see how you do. Right? One thing that I'm noticing a lot, whether it be YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, is you have these people who have never done the thing that they're watching. Right? You've never played basketball and you're watching a basketball video. You've never done modeling and you're looking at a model's photo. You've never done TikTok, you're looking at a girl dancing. And you have the audacity to go, man, what a loser. Anybody could be doing what you could do. Like You're so talentless. You don't deserve any of this. My, you know what my first thought is? My first thought is like, okay, yeah, I can, I, that's dope, man. That's awesome. I agree. Why aren't you? Why, why are you in that position and why is this person in that position? So if it's so easy, why don't you do it too? And that's where they come with the excuse, no, nah, man, it's not, it's not worth my time. And I, pff, no, dude, are you kidding me, man? The amount of things I would do instead is, is astronomical. But it's like, look, listen, from the outside, everything looks simple, right? From the outside, it looks like what people are doing are super easy. Right? Oh, I could be a model. I could just sit around and pose all day. Basketball player. Yeah, I could throw a ball in a hoop. You know, TikTok dance. Sure, I could just dance and da da da. Yo, listen, I'm sure you could. But could you wake up at six in the morning every day and go play basketball before your team even shows up? Can you go to countless auditions of modeling, spend hours and hours of time just getting rejected? Can you spend 10 to, uh, 10 to 12 different TikTok videos every single day and receive hate? And have that not make you want to quit. Man, everything takes courage. You got to understand, as long as you've never read the book, you can't just flip open to a random chapter and judge it. Right? When you flip open to chapter 7 and you hear about the protagonist, the hero, they're doing great in life. And you're like, oh, he has it all figured out. It's like, no, man, go back to chapter 1. He's getting his butt handed to him. Right? But you didn't see that. You skipped all the other chapters. You skipped the damn cover. You just fell to a random page. You saw he was doing well, so you thought you were in a place to criticize him. Man, I think, um, you know, and, I, and I, why, the biggest reason why I think that people will criticize your work, right? And, and when I say criticize, it's not reasonably criticized. So there's a difference between you make a song and someone says, hey man, this was good, but I think this was off. The melody could have been tweaked. That's a different story. But when people just throw hate for the sake of throwing hate, Right? When it's, you know, when it is ad hominem, when you're, you're doing something and instead of them critiquing your art, they critique you as a person, which has nothing to do with your art or with, with your performance or whatever that you've done. I think a huge root of that is they see a little bit of them in you. They see you chasing your dream. They see you wanting to become an artist, wanting to become a podcast, doing what you do. And there, there's this underlying envy that turns to hate subconsciously, which goes, why am I not chasing my passion? Why is this guy, you know, wanting to go into art when I know I'm an artist, but I'm going to be a damn, you know, nurse? Why am I not doing that? That's my thing. And indirectly, it's hard to say. So what do you do? You hate on him. You hate on him for chasing his dreams. What was this one person that said, you know, the only people who tell you you can't do something are either people who've never attempted to do it or people who've done it and failed. Right? You got to understand, man, rather than looking at people, you know, and getting jealous and getting, you know, agitated and like, oh man, why is he chasing his dream? Forget that guy. Why, why is she making, you know, uh, $10,000 from a stupid TikTok dance? Man, get inspired. Whenever I see someone on TikTok, and I'm 100% serious, and they're doing a dance, which is like half-assed, and the video is 20 seconds long, and it has 1.5 million views, I don't go, 
this is so talentless. This is stupid. They don't deserve, like, blah, 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 blah. I go, whoa, this is amazing. You did that in 15 seconds and you got 1.5 million views? Holy smokes, if you can do that, I can do that. Do you see the different perspective? Do you see how your perception shapes everything? I don't know about you, but the first one just sounds like a lose-lose. The first one, you're directly throwing harm at someone's way. Like you're beating someone up, even though they don't know you are. And you're just putting yourself in a disgruntled mood. Rather than secondly, I almost want to like applaud you, pat you on the back. And now it's putting me in a good mindset. Now it's making me this person. You're like, I got to go out. Like, this is amazing. Apparently, you don't have to be the greatest dancer in the world and you can blow up. That means I have a chance of blowing up. But if you want to see super cute dance moves, check out my TikTok. Okay, you want to see too much dancing on mine? You'll see more uh, psychology tips and tricks and all that good stuff. But no, that, that's really, my friend, something that I've been thinking about. That is absolutely something that I've been thinking about. It's when you can sit on the sideline, you go, you don't have any talent, you know, you can't do this, right? It's like, okay, well, show me how it's done. You come, you show me. How is it supposed to be? Rather than being like, hey, man, if I don't have any talent, great. I bet you don't have any talent either. You come, you start making some money. You start having fun. You know what I mean? Or it's like, if you've never done it, you don't know, right? If someone says, oh, that's fun. You just, you know, oh, you, oh what, you're an art student. So you just sit around, you know, drawing circles all day, you know? Or, oh, you're YouTuber. That must be fun. Man, they don't know that you got to think of the idea. You got to set up. You don't see, you don't see me putting up the mic and, and the camera and the lights, taking it, editing it, going through it, publishing it, and only getting two views doing the same thing again and again and again and again. And it takes hours, man. It takes hours. And that's not me complaining, but that's just me giving you an example of like, if you've never done it, man, how do you know? You know, so when I talk to another friend of mine who might do YouTube and he's like, Daniel, man, it's really getting to me. I'm putting in a lot of effort. I'm not seeing results and it's discouraging. I'm like, dude, I get it. You obviously put in a lot of time. And I think that's when it really gets to the conversation of, dude, you have to love it. You have to love what you do. Because if you don't love it, you're not going to go hard at it. Because if you don't love it, when you finish your 9 to 5 and come home, you're too tired. You'd rather play Xbox and Netflix because you love those things. But if a person loves YouTube, if a person loves music, if they love art, if they love whatever you want to say they, they, they love, when they come home from their 9 to 5, they can still do that thing. They can still make YouTube videos. They can still make music. They can still make art. Why? Because they love it. It's not work. It's not work when, when, when it's your passion. So they can easily spend another 3, 4, 5, maybe even 6 hours on it. Right? And it's not, it's not about, you know, they have superhuman endurance and they have amazing stamina. Man, everybody gets tired. But the difference is sometimes you're tired for only one thing but not another. Right? Listen, man, I say video games for when you're tired. But video games take, take mental energy. You know, if you're playing something like Call of Duty, you got to be aware of the buttons that you're pressing, timing, reaction speed, looking at things, your brain interpreting the signals correctly. Like that, that takes effort. Right? At least if you're watching a show, you can just kind of chill back and let it gloss over you. So... How are you, you know, too tired to make a YouTube video, but you can totally play a video game? So I guess you're really not that tired, but it's just priorities, right? I think, my friends, we really have to remind ourselves, man, listen, you, me, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, we all have 24 hours in the day. We all have the exact same amount of time. So we have to be really honest with ourselves. Hey, man, what's going on here? Why are you not where you want to be? Are you getting outworked? Are people working harder than you? If that's the case, what are you doing? How, how could you make more time? You know, and it's not, oh, you know, only get three hours of sleep and just work hard every day no, because you have to sleep well. Because, uh, you know, problems with sleep lead to things like an increase in, now, I'm not going to say what causes depression because there's many causal factors, but definitely a an, an messed up sleep schedule is one of them that, that does not do you any good with respects, with respects to people who are depressed. Their circadian rhythm, like your sleep rhythm is usually messed up. So sleep is huge, man. Eat well, sleep well, but still be able to do what you want to do. 
right? Because you have to understand, man, when you have the same amount of time as everybody else, you have to you have to think about, well, am I using this time as wisely as possible? And if you're just chilling out with your family, watching Netflix, going out for walks, that's fantastic. I don't mean to put you in the hustle, hustle, hustle mode, but just be consciously aware of it. Don't feel guilty. Don't watch Netflix and be like, oh man, I didn't you know work out today. No, man, enjoy. What did you do? You gave yourself time to relax. Don't you deserve time to relax? You know, oh, I went out for a walk today instead of making a YouTube video. Great, that's amazing. You deserve it, man. Because what happens is when you go out on that walk, you watch Netflix and you relax yourself, you feel that much more pumped and that much more energized when then you come back, right? When then you come back and then you go after it. Because now you, you've, you've done something else, you've been able to take your mind completely off it. So when you bring it back, it's like you're ready to go. You're on fire, you're freaking hard, you're gonna <clears throat> zoom through it. One thing, my friends, that I wasn't sure I was gonna mention, but we're gonna do it anyways, because that's what we do on the Daily Teachers Experience. No script, baby, we just go off the top of our heads. Woo! Is, I've just finished reading a book, uh, The Power of Habit, by Mr. Charles, I believe it's Duhigg, or Doug, is pronounced. Fantastic book, I would 100% recommend it to absolutely anybody who wants to learn about habits and really how they form and how they take shape. From a psychology student's perspective, I was very, very, um, happy with this book, especially because a lot of the things it does refer to, here's the thing, it refers to things like, you know, dopamine and the reward system. So anyone who knows the basics of psychology is like, okay, this is on point. However, if you've never taken a psychology class before in your life, it breaks down the elements so much that it's like, oh, like, like this actually, like this makes sense. You know, this is, this isn't crazy. Um, this is understandable stuff. And basically my friends, the biggest takeaways of this book were this. So it first starts talking about, okay, listen, what is a habit exactly? So a habit is this thing that you do, and Tony Robbins is super big on, on habits, right? These decisions that are made in our subconscious without us even being aware of it. Keep anything from biting our nails to going for a cigarette, whatever it may be. So this is like, okay, listen, the way that a habit is formed is you have a certain behavior, and for whatever reason, it falls into something that you repeat over and over and over again. Now, the routine that it gives you is this. This is the formula for habit. You have the cue, you have the routine, you have the reward. Let's play this out. The cue is you feel stressed at work. Your boss yells at you. You go, Jesus. Your routine is you go for a smoke. You take a smoke. The reward is it's a good feeling. So the reward for uh, smoking a cigarette is uh, cigarettes are known as stimulants. So what will happen is it'll activate your central nervous system. It'll speed it up. It'll make you feel good. It'll make you feel hyper. And and basically that. It'll reward, uh, reward you with the hormone of dopamine, which makes you feel really, really good. You're like, that was amazing. So what happens is next time when you get stressed, you're like, oh, I remember what made me feel good last time. You go smoke again, which is the routine which gets you back to your reward. So that's kind of how habits develop. Now, uh, Charles was talking about, well, if we're looking at how habits develop, how can we change a habit, right? How can we, can we change the cue? Like, can we just not have a boss yell at us? Ah, not really. Can we change the reward? I mean, we're kind of accustomed to it. Like neurologically, like our neurons have built these pathways. Like we want to feel that, you know, that thing. So the thing that Charles recommends, and it's actually a psychology treatment too, is he goes, listen, don't change the cue. Don't change the reward, but change the routine. When your boss yells at you, you still want that good feeling, but don't smoke. When your boss yells at you, go out for a walk around the block or go talk to your friend for five minutes about what happened and see if that can give you the same reward that cigarette smoking would have given you. The hopes here is that you have the same cue, the same reward, but when you switch up the routine, it is, it is more healthy, it is, it is better. You prefer this routine over your previous one. So I believe, my friends, in psychology, this is called an agonist substitution. And all an agonist substitution is, you go to someone, you're like, hey man, I am doing uh, like hardcore heroin, I can't get off of it. So what they'll do is, they will give you a drug that is similar to heroin, that has the same effects, but is way more minor. 
that is way more minor. So they'll give you maybe like op opioids or like uh, painkillers of sorts that'll bring it down. Or, you know, let's say for, again, going back to our cigarettes example, instead of smoking cigarettes, man, drink a cup of coffee every time you gotta smoke. Why? Because they're both stimulants. They both activate that exact same area of your brain, the central nervous system. But the hope is that the coffee is just obviously lower in, in, um, in impact, in unhealthiness, if you will. So that's really the big thing there. So you know how habits are formed. You know how to change your habit. You gotta change your routine. Now, one of the most successful and one of the most best support group therapies out there is AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. For anyone who's not aware, Alcoholics Anonymous does have a tie with like religion and what sorts. You go in there, they have about an 11 or if not 12 step program. You go there and it's basically a group, just like a facility. And they talk about, you know, okay, through these steps, you know, we're going to give our hands you know, to God. He's going to help take care of you. He's going to rid you of all your sins. He's going to make you better, make you more pure, X, Y, and Z. So what the participants ended up telling the researchers was like, listen, the way that I got through this was with the help of God. I was not good enough. I knew that I couldn't do it by myself, but the almighty God can do anything and he helped me get through it. So the researchers are going, huh, okay. Even though that might be a suffice answer subjectively, for the scientific world, that's not gonna cut it, right? We need something objective. We need something uh, understandable, something that we can grasp. And what they really found out, now, you know, you might have different views on this, but what they believed was the biggest factor in you quitting drinking and staying sober was belief. It was belief. It was the people who believed, who truly believed that they could become sober. The people who have trouble not letting go are the people who have slightly doubts that are thinking, you know what, Maybe I, I can never go without cigarettes. I can never go without a drink. I'm addicted to it. When you have that sort of a mindset, it's almost practically impossible to let go. Now, the people in AA, it was interesting because you have to have belief, but it doesn't matter belief in what. You can have belief in yourself that you can quit. You can have belief in a higher power. The bottom line was belief. If you believe that it could be done, man, if you believe you can achieve, it's not just some BS slogan. It really sincerely works, right? Even if you say, oh, Daniel, that's stupid. So I believe I'm six foot five. No, not like that, you idiot. But go into any sport, go into MMA fight, go into a basketball game, have one guy be like, oh, I mean, it's, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be whatever. And the other guy's going, I believe I can win this. I really think I can win this. And, and he has, he's that determination. Man, 50% of winning the game, 50% of winning the fight is believing that you can win the fight. Show me LeBron or rest in peace Kobe Bryant before a game saying, I don't think I'm gonna win this one. Yeah, just, I don't, I don't think it's gonna go my way. Yeah, probably gonna take an L here. Like, no, man, you don't. Even if you, you have the slice, you're never gonna say that out loud, right? You know, you ever look at a fighter when he's giving a like fighting like, interview before the fight happens and the interviewer will go, well, what happens if you lose? And right before that happens, you know, the guy just cuts off because no, no, I'm not even thinking that. The moment I let that thought enter my mind of what happens if I lose and, and well, the embarrassment, you just get into a bad mindset. Like losing is not an option. I'm gonna go in there. And there are some guys who say, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna take his head off, X, Y, Z. There are other guys, man, if they're not that, you know, uh, uh, ambitious with their claim they'll say you know what let's go let's go see what happens i'm gonna go out there it's gonna be a fight we'll we'll see what happens we'll see who drops first but i have never in my life heard you know someone go yeah man i'm probably gonna get whooped in there you know yeah i'm gonna lose i'm gonna take an l all right you know you just you don't hear that you really really don't so i think my friends it just comes to a point where it's like it is hugely a mindset thing you know it is hugely like do you believe it so how is a habit form how can a habit be changed do you believe that you can change it and Another study was done to show that the people who wrote down, in this study, the people who wrote down their habits had a much higher chance of actually defeating them. So they know how habits were formed, right? That's the first step, you gotta be aware. Secondly, you gotta know how to change a habit, change the routine. Thirdly, it's you gotta genuinely believe that it can be changed. Like seriously, if you believe you can achieve, that is 100% real. I'm going to die on that hill. And finally, 
if you write it down, it'll make it that much more real of happening. There's something about, I swear, there's psychology research on this. When you can articulate it, whether verbally or written, right, whatever it may be, there's a higher chance of it really happening. So when these people will write down, you know, what habit do they want to change? And they'd write down smoking. And they'd say, why do I want to change this habit? Because I don't like the effects that it's having on my cardio and I don't like the constant coughing, you know, X, Y, Z. And finally, how am I going to change this habit? What is my solution going to be? The big problem with people is they go so vague on so many things, right? They're like, I want to I become fit. What the hell does that mean, man? Does that mean I want to start running, become my cardio? Does it mean conditioning? Does that mean I want to have bigger shoulders? Does that mean I want to have a six pack? You got to be really, sp- and how? How are you going to do this? Right. So again, at the end there, it's, you know, what do I want to do? Why do I want to do it? And finally, how? What's my solution? My solution is every time I want to go for a smoke, instead, I'll go for a run. When I go for a run, it'll give me that same high and it'll feel even better than going for a smoke and it's healthy for me. So now you believe in yourself. You know how it works. You've identified the routine and the reward and the cue. You know why you're doing it. You know what you're doing and you know how it's going to be done. And that, my friends, is Mr. Charles's way of changing a habit. And it's brilliant, my friends. It is such a good book, such a good, fun read. Because when you're reading it, you learn a lot about how habits are formed, everything that's in there. There's still a bunch of stories, my friends, in here that you're not going to believe that I would highly, highly recommend you read. Because the amount of stories that they use to illustrate what habit is, whether it's a sports team, right? And you just get into the habit of a play where you start moving subconsciously. You know where your teammates are going to be before they're there. Whether you're talking about uh, consumer psychology, right? Knowing, you know, that people buy things out of habit, right? So you just, you pass the milk section, you're like, oh, well, my kids always drink milk, so I might as well buy milk. And these are little things that we do. Right, so it is. It is such a cool book, man. I would one hundred percent recommend it for anyone who's interested in habits and any of that stuff. It is really, really an awesome read. Now, my friends, to end this episode of the podcast, the last thing I want to talk about is there's this idea that uh, it's a very stoic view, and the stoic view is this: it says, in life, there are no such thing as good or bad events. There are only events. Now, you break that down, you go, well, how is that possible? So let's throw out something like, like let's say, like you're getting mugged, right? You get mugged. Obviously, one perception is, interpretation is, you know, man, that's a bad event. I just got mugged. I just lost money. I feel humiliated. A possible good perception of that is, hey, man, I got mugged. Because of that, it led me to martial arts. Now I've been doing it for four years. I feel great. It's, you know, it's been the best thing that's happened to me. So it's really is two ways to look at it. So really the point of that stoic view was, you know, an event is an event. How you interpret it is everything. Now, it's really, really fascinating because when you look at people who are depressed or down in life, they see everything through a negative lens, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. I sincerely believe a huge part of depression and and being in a bad mental state is you see everything in that glass half empty kind of view. Now, when that happens, everything is bad, right? Someone could buy you a car and you're upset because it's, it's not that car that you wanted, right? When it rains, you wish it was sunny. When it's sunny, you wish it would rain. Like there's nothing that, that can meet you on that standard. So this is where my psychology friends know something as CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is one therapy that is used to really address that. So what CBT would do is it would address those negative beliefs and those negative assumptions that automatically make you see everything in a bad light. So it would address that, those glasses that you put on yourself to see everything as uh, the glass half empty. And it would challenge those views and really bring those, most of the time, subconscious views that you don't even know why they, why they, uh, they are things that you believe in. Maybe because of childhood, maybe because of you know, being in a relationship indirectly, you picked up these bad beliefs, these bad assumptions, and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, tries to bring them to light and really talk through them and see, okay, oh, let's bring these away to your consciousness. Why? And at the very, very, very least, if CBT does not 
bring you to see the entire world as a glass, you know, half full and look at like, wow, like life is so good. This is amazing. The very least, man, it'll bring it back to neutral. It'll be in the middle. You won't see everything as a, as a glass half empty. And that will at least help you in the stoic view being a little bit more neutral. So at least the, the play is fair. You can choose which way you want to go. But what do you think about that? Can you really, because if that's the case, if an event is just an event, that means every event in life you can look at in a, in a good way. What do you think about that? Like, what if you get hit by a car? Huh? Like, would you say like, oh, that's good. Now I learned, you know, to check the streets both ways before I cross the street. Like, can you, like, that's interesting, huh? That's very, very interesting. What do you think about that quote? All right, my friends, and to end on that note, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Daniel. This is episode number 22. I wish you an absolutely fantastic day and take care of yourself. Bye-bye.